you don't even know it. J.D. Hudgens of the Monsters Lair. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creeps and creepers, monsters of all shapes, sizes, ages. Welcome back once again to the newest edition of the Monsters Lair. First and foremost, I got to give a huge shout out to the Mighty Beave Man and the rest of the Slaptail Nation. Um, if my voice sounds a little bit clearer and better in this recording, it's due to one factor. That factor being the Beave Man and the Slaptail crew were nice enough to send me some brand new recording equipment um, and I can't thank them enough but I'm going to try anyway um, so shout out to the Beave Man Slaptail Nation for the new Zoom equipment I'm using the PodTrack P4 right now to record it sounds amazing it works great it's super easy to hook up and install and uh, I can't thank you guys enough like I said, I do appreciate it, and uh, I'm forever indebted for this gratitude that you showed me, and uh, I just want to say thank you. So with that being said, let's move on to the subject matter of this episode. So in this episode of The Monster's Lair, I'll be covering something that's always been of interest to me. And that is the subject of the Ouija board. Its place in popular culture. And how this weird, obscure, seemingly paranormal item became so mainstream and so prominent in popular culture. Especially in the 90s when I was growing up. Um, you know, there was actually Ouija board commercials on TV from Hasbro so I always wondered how something that seemingly was of a paranormal nature became so big and so popular and made it into the mainstream and hopefully I will do my best shedding some light onto that question and giving you an answer to that question in this podcast so I'll be covering its history how it came into being and of course its rise to prominence and also a few creepy stories and dark history and things surrounding the creation, the selling, and the marketing of the Ouija board. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Once again, shout out to the Slaptail Nation. If you guys think I sound great in this episode, it's solely because of them. 
So if you can, seek them out on social media. Tell them the monster sent you. And thank them on my behalf. Because now you guys get great audio quality. And uh, you don't have to hear all the background noise and crap going on. And uh, hopefully all I have to do is keep my voice clear, sounding good. And, uh, you know, not suck up snot into this loud-ass microphone. So... Appreciate you guys. I appreciate you, Slaptail Nation, especially you, Beef Man. And uh, thank you all, and I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Monsters Lair. Understand the Ouija board's place in history and popular culture. We must first understand its important place at the center of the Victorian era spiritualism movement. I've covered the spiritualists in various episodes in the past here in the podcast, but for a quick refresher, the spiritualism movement was at its most prominent in the 19th century, and the practitioners of this social religious movement, known as spiritualists, believed that the afterlife or spirit world was not a static place but one wherein spirits continued to evolve. Spiritualists engaged in various activities to contact those who passed on, such as seances, hypnotism, mesmerism, tarot, spirit photography, and eventually spirit and Ouija boards. Ouija boards would become so popular, versions of them exist to this day and can be found in any board game section of the majority of large retail stores across the Western world. The Ouija board, also known as a spirit board or talking board, which are early versions of the object, is a flat board usually made of wood or cardboard. The letters of the Latin alphabet, the Arabic numbers of 0 through 9, the words yes, no, hello, and goodbye, along with various symbols and graphics carved on it. It uses a planchette, which is a small heart-shaped piece of wood, plastic, or cardboard. The planchette, a French portmanteau or combined word meaning little plank, sometimes also called the cursor, trevette, pointer, marker, or plank, depending on your personal preference or geographical origin, is a movable indicator used to spell out words and phrases during a session supposedly by the contacted spirits. The name Ouija, or Ouija, is a trademark name by Hasbro, inherited from the Parker Brothers, but is commonly used by everyday folk to refer to any talking board professionally or homemade, similar to other trademark brand names used as blanket terms to describe all such items, like Kleenex for tissues or Chapstick for lip balm. Two major factors which led to the popularity of the Ouija board were first and foremost the aftermath of the Civil War, which was a huge contributing factor to spiritualism as a whole. In the 19th century, during the rise of spiritualism, the U.S. was a nation in mourning, a nation full of grieving widows, still fresh off of losing husbands to war, and probably most of the other men in her life. A nation full of elderly men and young boys, too young to fight, fresh off of losing their sons and fathers and brothers. A nation full of downtrodden families, fresh off of losing their homes, land, and livelihoods. 
all seeking ways to mourn, remember, and maybe even reach out to those who are now gone from the mortal realm. The second major contributing factor to the Ouija board's popularity was due to the strict social structure and expectations of the Victorian era. This was a time when it was seen as uncouth to be alone with those of the opposite sex. Especially no touching was allowed. The original Ouija boards of the time were built so that you placed the board on your knees and your fingers would touch. Ouija quickly became the perfect dating game and an absolute revelation for sexually repressed, horned up, excited young men and women across the entirety of the Western world. The original instructions for early versions of the game even stated, for best results, use with two people, lady and gentleman preferred. Ouija boards became a popular gift for men to give to women of the time. In 1886, businessman Charles Kennard and his partner, a Prussian immigrant named E.C. Reich, shared a hallway in the building of the place they worked. They began sharing newspaper articles about a talking board phenomenon sweeping Ohio. Inspired by these two uh, these accounts, the two men making dozens of their own boards began making dozens of their own boards. Kennard left for Baltimore, Maryland in 1890, where he continued furthering his original business dealing with fertilizer in addition to starting a real estate company and also begins pitching what he says is his talking board invention to potential investors after numerous failed pitches Kennard met a local Baltimore attorney by the name of Elijah Bond who claimed his sister-in-law was a strong medium began taking interest Shortly after, the Canard Novelty Company began manufacturing Ouija boards, much as they appear today. Helen Peters, Elijah Bond's sister-in-law, the medium, would play a pivotal role in the success of the company, using her powers to win over a skeptical U.S. patent office. Helen Peters is credited for naming the board, as it is said she used it to prove the board's legitimacy by using it to ask spirits what the board should be called. The planchette spelled out O-U-I-J-A. The spirits then stated, The strange word meant good luck. This led to a staff of legitimacy from the federal government certifying the board delivered as promised. Many skeptics of the Ouija board believe the name Ouija was completely fabricated, some even stating that the Ouija was written on the locket, necklace, excuse me, that she was wearing at the time of the meeting. William Fold, who worked for and invested in the Canard Novelty Company, eventually gained control of the business after the founder cashed out early. William Fold would eventually cut out his brother Isaac from the business before going on to make millions. This led to years of embittered lawsuits 
and family feuds culminating in an enraged Isaac Fold eventually exhuming the grave of his baby daughter from the Fold family gravesite and being relocated. In 1919, William would suffer a fatal accident at his Hartford Avenue factory, a factory which Fold himself claimed the Ouija board told him to build while overseeing the installation of a flag. An iron railing Fold was leaning on gave way, and he fell off of the roof, which led to a rib breaking and penetrating his lungs and heart. On his deathbed, William made his children promise to never sell the Ouija out of the family. The Fold family would go on to sell, however, but not for four decades, when they eventually sold to Parker Brothers, which promptly moved Ouija to its base of operations in Salem, Massachusetts, in 1967. In Parker's first year in Salem, Massachusetts, the hometown of the Salem Witch Trials, two million boards were sold. Parker Brothers would continue until 1991, when they were bought out by Hasbro, the Parker Brothers plant in Salem closed and production facilities were transferred to the Springfield, Massachusetts by this time, though Ouija boards were securely positioned as a cultural icon. Most of the facts I've laid out in this episode many of you may have already known or could have found researching the Ouija. What many people don't know is, there is a demonic entity linked to the board. The demon known as Zozo is the Ouija board demon. It is also referred to as the Jester. Allegedly, Zozo is summoned through the use of spirit boards and seances, and is a powerful dark entity purportedly capable of mimicking the voices of loved ones, dead or living, predicting death, and preying on fear and insecurities of humans. Zozo was often described by those said to have encountered it to be cruel, sadistic, misogynistic, and a trickster who enjoys disguising itself as other spirits, entities, or humans. Deception is stated to be Zozo's tactic of choice, using it to confuse, manipulate, corrupt, and humiliate his victims, and taking delight in driving apart spouses, friends, and families with his lies. It is purported that Zozo was the demon responsible for possessing young Roland Doe. If this name is somewhat familiar to your ears, in the 1940s, an anonymous boy under the pseudonyms Roland Doe or Robbie Mannheim was a 14-year-old who underwent multiple documented exorcisms performed by priests of the Roman Catholic Church. Subsequent supernatural claims surrounding the events were recorded by attending priest Raymond J. Bishop, who had gained fame after his role in the exorcisms. It is said that the boy was possessed after the use of a Ouija board. The case of Roland Doe and claims of activity of a paranormal nature surrounding the case were the foundation for William Peter Blatty's 1971 novel, The Exorcist, which eventually was adapted into the infamous film of the same name 
we all know and love. The names of the characters were changed, as well as genders, and Zozo was changed to Pazuzu, the ancient demon from Mesopotamian beliefs. Several events were added and or exaggerated for Hollywood, and a horror classic was born. If you are a long-time listener, you will recall back to my previous episode on Cursed Films, when I touched on all of the controversy, tragedy, and strange happenings during the creation and release of the movie. Could this be because of the story is linked to the Jester, the Demon of the Ouija, Zozo? In 2020, Ronald Edwin Hunkler passed away a month before his 86th birthday. Hunkler was a NASA engineer whose work contributed to the Apollo space missions of the 1960s and who patented a technology that helps space shuttle panels withstand extreme heat. Why is this relevant to this story, you may ask? Well, dear listeners, it was revealed in December of 2021 that Ronald Edwin Hunkler was 14 in 1949, underwent exorcisms in Cottage City, Maryland, and St. Louis, Missouri, and was claimed to be free of all demonic possession, and assumed the previously known monikers of Robbie Mannheim and Roland Doe. This was verified by one of his former companions, who chose to remain anonymous, who gave a statement to the New York Post that Hunkler was always on edge about his NASA colleagues discovering that he was the inspiration for The Exorcist. Friend comes over one day and brings a Ouija board with him. You both sit and start to try to contact evil spirits, your skeptical eye watching every move the planchette makes and trying to figure out if your friend's pulling your leg. Suddenly, the planchette starts moving from the letter Z to the letter O over and over again rapidly. And after making its presence known, this spirit starts answering questions about relatives of yours with incredible accuracy. Creeped out, the next day you get curious and Google the name Zozo, only to discover thousands of similar accounts written across various message boards online. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the infographic show's greatest mysteries, the Zozo Demon. You don't have to imagine the preceding scenario, because it has in fact happened to thousands of people around the world. Whether using Ouija boards, automatic writing, or various other spiritual contact techniques, people all around the world have reported contacting an entity calling itself Zozo. With the advent of the internet, people began to share their stories online. Each person shocked to discover that hundreds, if not thousands of others, had had the same experiences as they did. Possibly more terrifying, though, is the fact that stories about Zozo have been around for hundreds of years, with one of the oldest accounts coming from Colin de Plancy's demonic encyclopedia, the Dictionary Infernal. According to de Plancy, a young girl claimed to be constantly harassed by three evil spirits, Mimi, Crapulet, and Zozo. The demons would torment the girl and force her to walk on her hands or act indecent in the company of others. Eventually, she was exercised successfully, although the priest performing the rite was warned not to attempt another exorcism by the police. It's easy to discount old tales as mere superstition or even to discount modern testimony as simply flights of fancy that appropriate old legends or scary stories. It's not so easy, however, to explain the massive amounts of collaborative testimony available online, especially for from people surprised to discover so many others allegedly having contact with the same entity. This clip was brought to us from the infographic show 
on YouTube. You're moving it. No, I'm not. You're moving it. You're moving it. Would you just quiet? I'm trying to concentrate here. And I'm not moving it. You're moving it. the 1990s which had the last generation of kids that actively played board games, played outside, held sleepovers, and talked to each other face to face without text messages or chat rooms, and before the explosion of the popularity of cell phones, the internet, and video games, the Ouija board saw its peak of popularity. In 1991, TV ads for the Ouija board hit the airwaves marketing the once spiritualist occult tool for contacting the dead as the ultimate slumber party game. A second TV spot from later in the decade shows off a version of the game that glows in the dark. The board's tagline that began being used during this time by Hasbro, the mystifying oracle, still appears on the boxes of the items to this day. After the 90s, the ads quickly disappeared Thanks mostly to the second wave of the satanic panic, of course, Ouija boards are still available. And still available today for purchase, but methods to advertise the product have gotten more creative. The films Ouija from 2014 and Ouija Origin of Evil from 2016 were brand tie-ins, just like Battleship from 2012 and Transformers. However, listeners, if your interest in Ouija is piqued, remember these two things. Always say goodbye and close out your session, as not to leave the portal to the other side open, because you never know what might wander through. And two, always remember, listeners, just like those who push satanic panic, humans are the only true monsters in this world. Ask me to the dance. How old will I be when I get a car? Good job. Go out with Adam. Get a tattoo. Eat bacon. Got questions? Don't be left in the dark. New glow in the dark Ouija. Will my parents ever let me stay out past 10? Come on. What do you want to know? How about 930? I'd like to take this time to give credit to all of those who have helped me to create TML and those who go above and beyond to support it. Thank you to my former co host and longtime friend, Tommy the Nightmare Cunningham. R.I.P., bro. I miss you every day. Thank you to the Chief, Alan Bailey Junette, creator of the first and original TML logo and cover art. Alan has also appeared inside the lair as well as a guest. And Alan has contributed music to the show via our old band together, along with our good friend Kevin Fowler in Skull. Thank you to Mike Morgan, also known as the Mad Thinker. Mike has been a listener, a supporter since day one has appeared multiple times as a guest and as a co-host, and has contributed music and sound beds to the podcast. Check out his Instagram, at MadThinker, with the number 3 in place of the E. And uh, Mike creates music and beats and sound beds, so if you guys are interested, contact him through Instagram. Speaking of music, a huge thank you goes out to Hanford, California-based folk rock band Poor Man's Poison for allowing me the use of their song Devil's Price as the Monster's Lair theme song. Poor Man's Poison is comprised of Tommy McCarthy, Ryan Hacker, Mike Jacobs, and Dustin Medeiros. 
visit the band's site www.poormanspoison.net for news and info on the band and check them out on social media and most importantly go stream listen to purchase and download the devil's price and the rest of their awesome catalog Thank you to my friends and partners in the Myriad Podcast Network, the Bearded Breed Polly Manners, the Dark Knight himself, Brandon Davis, Zach the Jackal Mueller, and Allie Dread. Thank you guys for the constant support, feedback, brainstorming, spitballing, collaborating, and contributions to the show. Just about everyone there has been a guest, contributed some sound clip, or contributed music or sound bits to the show, and I can't thank them enough. Um, I know with you guys in on this project, we can make MPN something great, and I appreciate all that you guys do. And listeners, if you haven't yet, please go and check out all of the shows on the Myriad Podcast Network, the Bearded Breed Podcast, the Nerdsman Presents, the Dark Knight Podcast, and Abyss's Realm. Also follow Polly and Brandon on Twitch for their gaming content at links on their socials and websites. Speaking of podcasting and Twitch, a huge thank you goes out to the mighty Slaptail Squad and the Slaptail Nation, John the Beaveman, his faithful number two Rons, the Swan, Tremonde, and of course the newest member of the squad, Mike Cateo, are huge supporters of me and the Monster's Lair. They're the first and only podcast to feature me as a guest multiple times and always shout out and promote the show, and I am very grateful to them for that. In addition to the podcast on Twitch, search Skylar Creates for the boy, Skylar Dolan, and his live streaming content. It's always a good time, great for laughs, entertaining, and features often the members of Slaptail Nation. Another very special thank you goes out to Just Under Your Visual, Juve Desayuno, and Big Ren the Legendary from the Hard Camera Podcast. Appreciate you guys giving me a shout out from time to time. And if you guys that are listening enjoy great takes on pro wrestling, pop culture, and current events, The Hard Camera is the perfect podcast that takes a hard look at all three for you. Check it out everywhere podcasts can be heard. Once again, that's The Hard Camera Podcast. Thank you to Thomas Burrell and everyone over at Burial 13 Apparel. Barrel 13 is a clothing brand based right here in Fresno, California, my hometown, that I am proud to be a brand, a brand ambassador for. They specialize in dark and macabre motifs and make great durable and lasting gear. Go and check out their website, www.burial13apparel.com. Shop and browse their site. And if you find something you like, be sure to use my special promo code on their merchandise on their website. That code is TML10, once again, TML10, and save yourself some precious dough and uh, support two small local businesses, Burial 13 Apparel and the Monsters Layer Podcast, at the same time. Thank you to my lovely wife at Sublime Christie and my kids, the Heathens, for supporting me in this passion project and contributing to the show. I love you guys. And of course, last, but certainly not least, a huge, huge thank you to you, the listeners. Um, especially if you have 
listened to the show this far in and are still with me at this point in the podcast, you guys are awesome. And by listening, your continued support and liking, rating, following, and sharing the show, you've basically validated what I do here and have established a guy who talks into his phone and tells ghost stories as a legit podcaster that can compete with some of the bigger dogs in the yard. So thank you all. I appreciate all that you guys do for me, your continued listenership, your support, and your sharing of the Monster's Lair. Thank you.